What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We've got to get into this quick because we've obviously got a lot going on with the NBA trading season finally being here. The NBA draft is a few days away, and free agency will be coming in right after that. So for this episode, I talked to Project Spurs uh, managing editor and Spurs cast host Paul Garcia about what we saw in the NBA bubble with some of the Austin Spurs players. There was obviously a, a youth movement that took place in between the season suspension and the NBA bubble, and it served San Antonio really well. So to delve into that a little bit further, I brought on Paul so we could discuss Keldon Johnson moving forward. Uh, we also discussed Quindary Weatherspoon, Drew Eubanks, obviously, Chemezi Metu's future with the team, and also is there a role for Lucas Shamanich moving forward in San Antonio, or does he need to be in Austin for another year? So make sure you tune in. Subscribe, listen, whatever you need to do, whatever your favorite platform is for listening to podcasts. Just thank you for tuning in. And here's my conversation with Paul. And now, as always, the shoe's on the other foot this time, Paul. So I'm getting to intro you, which is kind of cool. Uh, I'm joined by Paul Garcia. You know him as, wh- what do I intro you as? You're, you're like our managing editor. You're the host of the Spurs cast. You're a writer. What, what do you want to be introed as? You tell me. I think I think at this point, just a writer. I, I know that I am the, the managing editor, but I have to feel like during ever since uh, the, the pandemic started, I just haven't been like e- editing as much. I think Mike's taken back that that full duty of that. He's been posting a lot of the stories for everyone and editing their work. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I just feel like I'm on a decline in that in that area. But um, you know, I am the editor, but I just say writer for now. You're not on a decline. Come on. All right. So <laughs> this is obviously forever Toros. We're going to take a little bit more of an Austin Spurs angle on this. Uh, I, I want to keep it brief with you because obviously we've had Jonas Clark and Michael DeLeon on a part one. This is more of just seeing the more, more of a Spurs aspect to it because we need to talk about the G League season prior to the bubble and then the bubble itself because we had a, a good amount of Austin's roster actually playing legitimate minutes for once in San Antonio or in Orlando if you want to be technical. And it's just trying to see where we're going moving forward. So... I, I kind of want to just get your insight on this. I want to play more of a journalistic role and probe you for you know your your thoughts, your stats. You're obviously 
you do all our analytics and stuff like that. And I, I just want to see where we're heading into the next Austin season and the next San Antonio season. So I'll start off real quick and easy with Chemezi Metu, who has a non-guaranteed contract for this upcoming season. Uh, it's $1.6 million unguaranteed. He can be a restricted free agent next year if the Spurs pick up that non-guaranteed option. He's 23. Obviously, the backstory on him, second-round draft pick in 2018. Uh, in the G League, he averaged 18 points per game, 18.9 rebounds. I mean, 18.9, that'd be absurd. 8.9 rebounds, <laughs> 2.5 assists, 1.6 blocks. He shot 55% from the, free, uh, from the field. And, shockingly enough, 38% from three on 2.3 attempts per game in Austin. Now, in the bubble, only played two games. One was meaningless. The other game was in, in, against Utah. He had 10.6 rebounds and four assists. My biggest thing with Chemezi Metu, and I've said this before, I feel like he's on the way out of San Antonio. If you let someone like Drew Eubanks, who was on only on a two-way contract, kind of usurp your role, do you see the same way? Or do you see the same thing moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I've honestly been of, of, of that, that mindset as well. Just the fact that even before the pandemic, you know, when it was just a normal regular season, Drew Eubanks was getting the call up from Austin way more than Chemezi Metu. We constantly saw Chemezi Metu on, on the roster for the Austin Spurs. And even when the Spurs had some injuries, uh, Chemezi would still be on the Austin roster. And, you know, it, it just showed that, like, the writing was on the wall that they weren't going to pick up this uh, this this uh, his full guarantee for this coming year. And uh, the important thing to watch there is that it has to be basically whenever the NBA and NBA Players Association um, do decide a date for um, when free agency officially begins what well, the Spurs have until that date to actually make the call on whether or not they're going to they're going to keep on the roster for for a partially guaranteed $500,000 uh, uh, for, for a certain date or if they're just going to waive him and, and like I said like you said John um all the signs show that they're not that they're not going to pick up that that option. They're just let him. They're just going to waive him for that non guaranteed salary of like you mentioned uh, the money there. And uh, you know even in the, like you mentioned in the bubble, he didn't. There was you know with players injured and just you know played a lot more youthful players, uh, younger players should I say? Uh, he still didn't get any minutes. You know uh, going back to you mentioned his 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 um, stats from the Austin uh, um, you know play. That's something that's interesting because you know I, I did watch him uh, back in the summer. It wasn't this past summer because obviously we're in the pandemic, but the, the summer before when. It was the I think it was the FIBA World Cup he played with with the uh, the Nigerian national team and and I was very intrigued by him you know I really wanted to, I watched a lot of his games with the, the with the national team because you know we don't get to see him play much with the Spurs unless you watch a lot of Austin Spurs basketball why well, I don't watch that that much of the, of, of that basketball so I was interested that uh, it was interested to see that he was able to pick and pop a lot for for the for the Nigerian national team and he really had that skill set you know an athletic type of big but then when it came to San Antonio he could just never crack pops rotation get in there even when, like I said when guys were hurt when when it was a blowout in, in most games. So I just feel like right now the writing is on the wall with him that they they will um, uh, basically waive him before the, before free agency officially begins, which that looks right now like either uh, about Thanksgiving week if that's where they set that date. Yeah, I, you know, and here's a, here's another question for you. Looking at how San Antonio's roster is moving forward, because obviously there's Jakob Pertl, there's Trey Lyles. We still don't know if the Spurs are going to go full in on, you know, th this is not anything, this is just speculation in terms of, is LaMarcus on the trade block? There's still Luka's development. There's still Drew Eubanks ahead of him, technically, on the death chart. If you're Chemezi Metu, do you accept a two-way contract, which I don't know exactly how that would work coming off a guaranteed deal, or do you even take the G League assignment? Because the resume is right there where you see this guy has played for the Nigerian national team. He seems like he's an excellent G League player. And he's still 23. There, there, obviously, there's a reason the Spurs drafted him in the second round and gave him a guaranteed deal. But do you see him accepting some kind of a demotion to Austin? 
Yeah, I think I think that might be his best way though to stay in the league because you know right now I just don't I just don't see that you know a, a team would, would would sign him to maybe you know maybe a training camp um, invite that'd be about it. But right now you know I just don't, if they waive him, I see that that he's going to have to end up being in the G League and just hoping that his play will be will give him the attention of other teams and now start scouting him and seeing seeing what kind of production he uh, he brings because like you mentioned right now coming into this next season, uh, uh, you know the the big question is the Lamarcus Aldridge situation, the fact that they played so well without him in the bubble and that and that they do want to resign Yaka but what it looks like they do want to keep Trey Lyles most likely so this is going to be a really really stacked front court and unless they make some sort of trades uh, there's not going to be any minutes for Metsu uh, you know trying to get back into that San Antonio rotation um, so, so right now yeah I, I think that and then also you know because he hasn't played as much and be, he, there's probably not a market for him there's not a lot of teams that have you know probably have him on their on their on their names of, of bigs that they want to try to sign unless it's maybe like, like I said like a training camp type invite and it, it won't help this year because of the pandemic that we will not have a summer league type of, of situation where he can kind of show off his yep. skill set to, to different teams so I really feel like yeah he's gonna end up back in the G League he'll probably he would probably sign with the Austin Spurs because he knows that system that's his, that's his best place to to get a lot of minutes uh play get get some minutes within the coaching situation uh, coaching rotation but then uh you know I, like I said maybe he'd probably have to hope that another team sees him and, and tries to sign him yeah you you kind of nailed it right there and it, it's it, it's crazy when you think about it because like just how much the pandemic has destroyed the normal day-to-day operations of the NBA that someone who's a you know borderline a roster candidate could be on the cut line. So many different issues with the salary cap that uh, you know not having summer ball for Chimesi to go in there and show, hey, I am worthy of another contract. It's going to hurt him more than anything. Um, yeah. Moving I on, agree. also we've got Quindary Weatherspoon, who's another uh, who, who's the other two way guy next to Drew. Uh, Quindary was the second round pick last year in 2019. He's 24. Uh, in Austin, he averaged 14.8 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, and 5.2 assists. Shot 45% from the field, but only 34% from three on four attempts per game. Uh, in the bubble, he played all eight games, but it was just kind of just real minor minutes. Only 1.5 points per game, 1.3 assists, and 25% from three. Now, I, I feel like Quindary, there's obviously something there with... He, he doesn't fit the roster, I would say, in terms of height. But position he does, and with Bryn Forbes' free agency, do you see Quindary playing? Since he's not on another on one more year of a two way, he can still have two more years of a two way contract. But do you see him taking a Bryn Forbes role at all? Because the shooting isn't there, but it seems like the defense is. He's a great perimeter defender from everything we've seen, and there's still that like he's he's able to distribute. He's able to take the, the ball and kind of create a little bit himself. Yeah, I was I was actually really happy that um in the in the bubble that he got a lot of minutes pop really and a lot not a lot of minutes like you mentioned but he actually got those those backup um, point guard minutes that Pat since Patty Mills pretty much didn't play in much of the games because Pop wanted to give the younger players a lot of more minutes and so because of that I really got to see Quindary a lot, a lot more play from him I did c- kind of notice like what you mentioned John that that he's a very hesitant shooter from three and, and obviously the percentages back up why he doesn't take the three too much but aside from that I mean he's a really solid player just kind of knows how to how to run the offense um you know do, doesn't um isn't too too aggressive on the offensive end and kind of lets you know the, the main playmakers uh you know do their thing and then on defense he's a really good solid defender knows that knows his rotations can kind of keep himself in front of the, in front of the, the offensive player that he's guarding so i was really impressed with him and so my question i mean my big thing for him is is this is do the spurs offer him that that qualifying offer to make him restricted free agent uh since he he, he can become one um right before um 
like I mentioned right before the, the official free agency date. So right now that looks like if things go according to plan, that would be Thanksgiving week. So, so my, my, my thing is if they offer that to him, I don't see any other teams kind of, you know, trying to get, uh, give him an offer sheet. So I think that he, he and his agent would just accept that and, and just basically remain with San Antonio for another year under that qualifying offer. However, if they don't offer that to him, well then um, it's a sign that, that, you know, they, they do want to go in a different direction and maybe he ends up back in the G league. Cause right now it looks like he, for he and, and Drew Eubanks, the market does look more like the veteran minimum. Like they just be trying to get on it. An NBA, an NBA roster right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's kind of funny too, like you even thinking about like the, the roster construction currently without any kind of free agency or the draft, Marco Bellinelli's on a decline. You've got Bryn as a free agent. And if the Spurs kind of lean into that small ball a little bit more, Quindaria's got a chance to actually make a little niche as like the 15th guy on the roster without having to worry about a two-way. But he's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. The, the biggest one, I know a lot of people want to know about this. I don't think it's as crucial as we want it to be, but Luka Shamanich was the first-round pick last year. He's not even old enough to drink. I didn't even realize that until today. He can't even go to dinner with Pop and pop a bottle of wine. But <laughs> in Austin, he played 33 games. Uh, he was only playing about 28 minutes per game. Uh, 15.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists. A little high on the turnovers for, for a big. He had three turnovers per game because he does like to create his own shot and drive. Uh, only 43% on field goals. And for someone who's you know touted as a shooter, 31% from three. Uh, in the bubble, just like Chemezi, he played two games, but only had that major game against Utah where he had 16 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a block. And he also did make three threes but had four fouls. I, I feel like the biggest thing, him defensively, there's not a... It hasn't clicked defensively for him yet. I, don't, I wouldn't say he's a bad defender because he has the length and athleticism to keep in front of people. I just don't think it's clicked that part yet, and he's still learning the offense and kind of learning when to pick his spots. I would say my, – my question to you is this, though. If Trey Laos for some reason can't be re-signed or if he somehow gets re-signed by the Spurs and ends up being trade fodder, do you think Luka's worthy to take that spot immediately, or does Luka still need to be in Austin for a little bit longer? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, luckily they have Luca for multiple years because he's he's he just finished his rookie year. Uh, but I just don't know where minutes are coming from. You know, whether Trey's Trey's on the roster or not, because you still have to worry about Rudy Gay, like we mentioned, Yaka Pertle. You still have to if they resign him, you have to worry about Lamarcus Aldridge getting minutes, uh, or if they want to continue playing small ball like we saw them do. You know, DeRozan, Kelton Johnson could get minutes at the four like we saw them do, and it was pretty effective. We saw that they, they won a lot of their games in the bubble. So again, Luca is in a tough spot because he's at a position where he's not he doesn't have a lot of opportunities so i really do see if the roster stays as it's constructed with most of these players back i do see him spending a lot of time in austin again just because it's hard for for a player who plays at the four or five to crack the rotation with coach pop as a young player especially if you're if you're not known for your defense you know if that's where he has his issues well then that's gonna be tougher someone like kelton got his opportunity because there were you know bellinelli was declining uh you know they, they had they needed some, some bodies there at the, on the wing uh and, and then and then of course he, uh you know he, he's just known for his defense kelton that's his main thing was he came in no known for his defense already of course if you're known for your defense, that's going to really impress Pop, and he's going to give you a shot. And so we saw that. And so, so I really think like like uh, it's going to be tough for for, for Luca until I, I think I think again, uh, uh, barring any trades or, or you know more than just Trey Lyles getting released, I do see him probably spending a lot of time in Austin again because um, until until maybe like Lamarcus is gone and Rudy Gay and they're both on the last year of their contract coming in, uh, I just don't see where there's any minutes for him how to how to crack the rotation. And, and even if he got his chance, we know that Coach Pop with some of the younger players who aren't known for their defense, you know, he'll immediately pull them if they start making some sort of mistake so so i really feel like he's in a tough position to get more minutes uh, you know unless they really really want to go in a 
youth movement and make sure that they get all the young guys minutes. But we didn't see that in the bubble this past um, over the past summer. Yeah, and you know, I think the other thing to think about is his similar. His situation is really similar to Lonnie Walker after that first year in Austin because you normally like to see those guys make that first year jump to San Antonio, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't see where those minutes come from with Luca with the way the Spurs have transitioned to small ball and how successful that was. But also, if you start looking at some of like the the mock drafts out there for the draft coming up in three weeks, if the Spurs take a power forward or a center, if they even is someone just as long as Luca, that's where it becomes in the question is what's his future fit and is that where you try to move Lamarcus or Jakob or Trey to get ahead of that and still keep developing Luca because you don't want that first round pick to end up being wasted. So I, I, I find that really interesting moving forward. And speaking of interesting, someone that I never thought we would be spending so much time on, Paul, because you and I, we've had our discussions on the podcast. In, through text, so many different talks about this gentleman right here, Drew Eubanks. Oh, um, yes. The, 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 <laughs> the, you know exactly where I'm going with this. The two-way center, uh, undrafted in 2008. He can still sign a one, one more two-way deal, but only for one season. He's only a month and a half older than Chemezi Metu and has already taken his roster spot. Uh, he's guaranteed 81000 if the Spurs pick up. Uh, his option, I believe, and I think if he gets promoted to the full roster, it's 1.6 million. I think that 81 is just his G League salary. Uh, mm-hmm. In Austin, he played 22 games, uh, 23 minutes per game, 15.9 points, 6.2 rebounds, 1.5 blocks. His field goal percentage was pretty decent for a big who doesn't really shoot threes, not really an outside shooter, but can hit mid range here and there at 60%, a little over 60%. Uh, in the bubble, only seven points per game, 6.3 rebounds. 1.3 assists, 1.4 blocks, five, uh, 56% from field goal percentage. So I have two questions about Drew. The first thing is, seeing what he's done in the bubble, I am not the biggest Drew Eubanks fan. I will admit that. In Orlando, he changed my mind. It seems like the game slowed down to him to a point where he was actually being effective and a contributor. I don't know if that's a fact. We, we've talked about role players in the past being comfortable in a controlled environment like a home area. Maybe he was comfortable in Orlando, and that we would like to see that translate in normal NBA scenarios with crowds and traveling. Uh, but my, my biggest thing is, do you see him, do you see San Antonio taking advantage of the fact that he can have one more two-way contract, or do you see him that he's solidified himself to be on the regular roster? No, I think that they were. I think that you know, just just like you said, I was very impressed with his with his Orlando play as well. Really good um, on offense, about just doing his job. You know, rebounding, not 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 um, you know taking up too many possessions, just moving the ball, uh, setting screens, and then on defense, he was very impressive, of course, with that help defense where he had a lot of those those blocks that ended up on Twitter a lot of, a lot of nights. Uh, and then he's you know a good good um, set, yeah. set rotation type defender. So I was really impressed by his play, and I really think that's going to earn him a um, a qualifying offer for sure. Whereas whereas Quindary, I'm not 100 percent sure they're going to offer him that quint that that qualifying offer to make him restricted free agent i think with drew they are and then of course that that allows him to go seek an offer sheet i don't think he'll get an offer sheet from another another team so then i think that he and his agent just say okay we'll just take that 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 um that qualifying offer and remain in san antonio for one more year so i really feel like like drew like really play well he's also really good um you know a a, a good backup move in the event that that jacob does want to go elsewhere in terms of him getting an offer sheet and and moving on to a different team well then you know you have drew there knows the system uh, is a good, good good player to kind of fill in right there 
there uh, uh, as a backup center or, or even starting center if, if they needed to go there. But, you know, of course, they'll have LaMarcus. So so I feel like he, he's played well enough to where he I, th- I see him staying in San Antonio for another year. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the uh, if Jakob decides to go elsewhere because that brings me to my next question. Do you trust Drew to replace either Jakob or Trey Lyles? And is he a better fit for one or the other? Meaning, do I know Drew isn't a three-point shooter, but could you see him as a small ball center the way Trey Lyles can play? Or do you see him more playing alongside LaMarcus and letting LaMarcus stretch the floor? No, I see. I see the latter. I see like how, kind of how how I see him just playing, doing what Jakob does, which is setting screens. You know, not t- taking too much shots in the offense, uh, moving the ball, and then just being a really good help defender. And then it, we saw that Drew's a little bit more more active, and he can he gets more of those those highlight type blocks and stuff like that. So I, I feel like, he, like if if Jakob were to leave in some situation, well, then I think that, that there's minutes there for for Drew to, to kind of take him that backup center type of spot. Um, I, I don't see him, you know, pl- playing that st- type of style that Trey Lyles can play, uh, and, and even Trey's in a, an interesting spot just because of the fact that they did um you know they played so well as well in the bubble without him since he had to have that appendectomy surgery uh, right right when he got to orlando Mm -hmm. yeah you know i i don't mean to like throw trey laws under the bus or anything i the only reason i bring him up in here is just because he is on a non-guaranteed contract it is for 5.5 million and I, I think my biggest thing with Trey Lyles is that the Spurs, that's almost an asset, it, it, depending on what, how the teams view him, because obviously San Antonio got him for cheap, but he's still a young power forward who can shoot, and that, that's an asset in today's NBA no matter what, and especially with the way the salary cap is looking, you know, if, if you can get something for him and trade him or package him, I, I, I think you do it. Uh, I, I love Trey Lyles, and I love what San Antonio has been able to turn into him, but I don't think you can discount the fact that he can be expendable, especially with Drew and Luca, and depending on who you draft, you know, moving forward, there's there's still that option, especially Rudy Gay, the way he played center in the bubble as well. Um, lastly, I think the the everyone already knows Keldon Johnson, a, a great surprise in the bubble, and someone that everyone clamored for him to play a lot more. Uh, in the G League, 31 games, he started 30 of them. Uh, 20 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 2.4 assists. Uh, 53% from the field, only 24.7% from three. In the bubble, it was 14 points per game. Obviously, he's not asked to carry the offense as much because he's not the main show at, in San Antonio as compared to Austin. Uh, the rebounding numbers are still there at five rebounds, 1.1 assists. The field goal percentages is what blows my mind. 64% from the field and 65% from three. Do you see Keldon immediately starting next season? Or is he going to the bench and coming off that bench mob unit with maybe like a Lonnie Walker? Yeah, I think that um, I don't see him immediately starting, but I think that there's going to definitely be a um, a, 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 um, a battle there in training camp for that starting two spot, whether it's going to be Derek White, Keldon, or... Um, or uh, What's his name? Lonnie Walker the fourth. I think they're all going to be battling for that spot because I feel like he, he's a big enough wing. He plays defense, and he's he, he would actually be a little bit better fit with the starting unit because he doesn't need, like you mentioned, John. He doesn't need the ball to create on his own on offense. I mean, he was putting up twenty point nights in, in the bubble without without even being like the initiator on offense. I would I would go back and watch all of his film during the bubble, and I, I got I, I went a little bit too far there because like I was like watching every single play, and and I was starting to compare <laughs> him to I was trying I was starting to compare him to another player who was young with the Spurs who who they really really um, molded very well and and had him play uh, practice and adding stuff every summer to his game uh, and then that guy ended up leaving to a different team <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names anyway I was getting a little bit too yeah, carried away and we had to <laughs> yeah I, I, we had to remember that this was only you know what was it eight games that they played so so it was a very small sample size but I mean he played so well like I, like I mentioned I mean um 
He didn't. He when he had to take the corner three, he took it and he made it. He shot it well. Uh, he really just a lot of his a lot of his uh, his his scoring on offense was just read and react. He would somebody would close out on him and he'd drive to the rim and get fouled or, or make a layup or kick out or he or, or he would just kind of read the floor when he when he got a defensive rebound and kind of like Russell Westbrook just took it took it coast to coast on a few plays there when you saw a lot of the tape. He didn't in no circumstances did it look like Coach Pop caught a play for him or did he run like a pick and roll on offense. All this all this all this um this production that he was creating was just pretty much him reading and reacting like I mentioned to the game and then of course we know his pluses on defense he's a really good defender and I think that's what gives him an edge in terms of if he does get that try to get a starting spot uh you know I think that's the thing to watch and I know it's I know that in these scenarios it looks like we're only going to have two or three preseason games uh whatever the league decides on with the players union and so um you know he won't have a big chance to try to crack a starting a starting spot in, the, in those those preseason games but like if he, if he hits his corner threes and he's playing really good defense I think he has a really good shot to to either surpass uh, Lonnie Walker in that starting spot or um or uh or Derek White depending on what Pop wants to do there and also something else we have to uh, keep in mind if if he might get more minutes is what happens with DeRozan if DeRozan opts out and leaves well then there's definitely some some room there for 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 um for Kelton to get a starting spot if DeRozan you know opts in and then seeks a trade because he wants to go to uh, you know a different team maybe he want maybe the Spurs want to go on a more youthful route well then I definitely see some minutes there for him so I think that there's different paths for him to start and if and if he doesn't start he's going to for sure get, get a lot of minutes off the bench but right now I really feel like he has a good chance of competing for one of those starting spots. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'm still skeptical about the three point shooting. Like, I oh yeah, me too. That maybe like just a bubble thing, but man, like it, just seeing the way he ran the show in Austin as a little bit of a point guard, I didn't expect him to fit the mold of a three so quickly and so easily. As you mentioned, with a certain other player that the Spurs had before, and. <laughs> You know, Kelvin's young. Kelvin can still grow into that and still be a proper three because I think he's still only six five, which that gives the Spurs all those every every single guard is six five. So what what does it matter anyway? But it, it's just one of those things that I, you know, Drew and Kelvin, I I had hopes for them in the bubble just because I thought the Spurs wouldn't make the playoffs, but they surpassed every kind of expectation I had, which was great to see. Um. And uh, yeah, it's it's a good thing that Austin Austin's there because it seems like the developmental program after the bubble or you know after the season got suspended and through the bubble, uh, whatever the Spurs did paid off. It's, it's thrilling to see. Uh, Paul, one last question for you, and I'll get you out of here. How does it feel to not have to host but still carry the show? You know, I I I just like I like not having a host. I like when I, I'm asked the questions because a lot of times it is different. You know, the roles of like like listening and giving your input, but then also like having to be ready to like what are you going to ask or how are you going to phrase this question. So I kind of like and also the best part about not hosting right now is that I don't have to prep the notes or anything. You you have to do all that work. So <laughs> so it's that it's that's that's the cool part. Is I don't have to do any prep because I have one tomorrow of a Spurs cast and I don't and I, you know, I have, I'm really dreading having to prep it all and getting getting it ready. <laughs> Yo, man, I, I, man, just getting all the notes together. Like, I, I already get my notes together when I, when you invite me onto the Spurs cast. But this was like a whole different level of note taking, and I'm having to highlight and then transfer it over to the computer so I can actually see it and type it out, bold, all caps, this, diff, this font, that, and I'm just like, okay, I, I don't know how how you do this, and you've done it for however many episodes, but I appreciate you making time to come on Forever Toros. I appreciate you giving your input, and we'll do this again soon, man. Oh, I think it, yeah, because I'm going to be asking you, hey John, so uh, so Luca, um, you know, how's he doing over there in Austin? Because <laughs> I don't see him getting any minutes right now. But yeah, man, so, sounds good. Uh, yeah, always, always, uh, awesome to be on be on here. Thank you for the invite. Awesome, thank you for being here, man.
Once again, a huge thank you to Paul for joining me on this episode of Forever Toros. Be sure to follow Paul on Twitter at PaulGarciaNBA. Stick around. We've got more coming up. We'll have stuff with the NBA draft, with the trade deadline, with free agency. All these things will impact Austin, and we'll have our staff on to talk about it more in detail. Obviously, also at ProjectSpurs.com, at ProjectSpurs on Twitter, at ProjectSpurs.net. Also, if you want to follow our other network sites, Thank you once again for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next one. Stay safe, everyone. about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.